timeout called by the Cardinals because the play clock was winding down. That's their last timeout. Tyler Murray caught on camera. He is screaming at the sideline, and I don't know who that was directed at. It looks like it's Cliff Kingsbury. In fact, Tyler is still yelling at Cliff. D-Hop and Sean Jefferson have to step in a little bit. Diop now puts his arm around Murray. Again, don't know if he's yelling at Cliff or about something he sees out there. You know, once again, even if it is, this is what happens in a game. It does. I cannot tell you how many times I've yelled at a coach, even a head coach. So, you know, once again, you've got a play caller and a quarterback. They've got a relationship together. There's going to be a lot of yelling that goes on. Trust me on that one. Yeah, it's uh, Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley from last Thursday, part of the game that uh, I think people are talking about still the most after that win. It wasn't uh, Marco Wilson flipping into the end zone or the Isaiah Simmons one-handed interception that he took back to the house or the Cardinals getting a home win. They're talking about this dust-up on Mm -hmm. the sidelines and... I would venture a guess, Bick, and, and uh, you know, I wasn't at the media availability yesterday, but a week later, I'm surprised there hasn't been more in terms of, for, from Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, let's move on from this. Like, we're tired of answering questions about it, because it yeah. came up yesterday in the availability again. I know, I know, and that's because because I, I think if you listen to the call there, I think Wolf has kind of amended that opinion, at least he didn't crosstalk with us, that even though he has gotten in the face of coaches, it's never been like that, that you do it in a professional way, even if you're screaming. Yes. And, and so I think when you step back from the incident, you realize this wasn't just an incident. This has been an ongoing thing this year. There's public demonstrations against his head coach. There's two of them. And then there was the press conference in which some people perceived him, Kyler, to throw Cliff under the bus. It didn't hit me that dramatic being actually in the press conference. Mm-hmm. So, But whatever. So it's it's clearly a trend, and it's it's certainly unusual for it to keep happening. And what it does is it kind of makes it very easy to assume the quarterback doesn't have a whole lot of respect or fear of the head coach. And is that a is that a contractual thing? Is that a or is that just a a, a personal thing? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. What, it might not be anything, but I do. You know what I do think? I'm certain they they must have had some kind of conversation about this because it's not a good look. It wasn't a good look, especially when you're on you know the national television platform. Even though, as we brought up yesterday, the ratings were way down for that broadcast yeah. of Saints yeah, Cardinals. Right. But Cliff Kingsbury yesterday was asked, "Hey, do, do, do you regret the fact that that little exchange was caught on camera?" No, I, I don't think it's just like I said, it's emotion of the game. So it's not like either of us took anything personal. It's just we want to be good, and um, so far this this season, you know, we feel like we, we haven't played as well as we want to, and so. And Tennessee's ratcheted up, and that's really what that was. And I totally buy that. Uh, you know, when it, there's in-game emotion, mm-hmm. and then there's the emotion of frustration of continuing recurring problems, and the recognition of play clock winding down has been a recurring problem from the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't know if anybody they keep stats for everything, so I'm so, sure some websites got this somewhere. But I would guarantee the Cardinals lead the NFL in timeouts burned right. be, in crucial situations because right. the play clock was running down. Right. So, so I think that it, it's this stuff gets noticed by players in a locker room. So, I mean, th- there are going to be effects, and there have been effects of that, and it has probably changed the way people in that room view their head coach and or their quarterback because those kind of things, those are direct assaults at authority. And and to do so in a in a profane way, 
on national television, I think it rises to a different level. Um, so, and again, it's not the hugest of deals, but it's also kind of reflective of of Cliff Kingsbury's kind of persona in, in this whole deal. And and I don't know about where it's going to go forward, but it's it, people are going to be watching. If, if things are going bad in the yeah. game, if there are more timeouts to save the play clock from expiring, you know, it, what kind of what kind of frustrations are going to be seen? Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully the offense finally finds a, a, a better place. Yeah, that's but, what you hope for. And I've sided a little bit more with Cliff Kingsbury on this particular front, and I'll continue to do so. Now, both of them bear responsibility for this becoming a recurring problem, but. You hit on something earlier that, you know, did that border on disrespect? Cliff Kingsbury is still the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and Kyler Murray, although being very highly paid, is still just the quarterback. Um, and I, and I like it from, from Cliff Kingsbury's standpoint as well. Just as a consumer of football, when you have a vested interest in a team as a fan or an observer, you want a team to do well. When something goes wrong, and I'm just speaking for me personally, I want to see somebody react when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging it's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Have a little human emotion. And I can go back to Herm Edwards, you know, the head coach when he was the head coach at ASU. And you're kind of at the mercy of directors and guys in trucks, but when something went drastically wrong for ASU and they would pan the camera to Herm Edwards on the sideline, he always had that same Herm look on his face. Like <laughs> Herm look. Yeah. Like uh-huh. was he engaged in anything what was going on? It was very frustrating. And 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 if you want to keep it on ASU, things would go wrong last year with the offense and the quarter you know, the the, the quarterback, Jaden Daniels, the cameras would catch him with his little wry smile on his face. It would infuriate you as a fan so just from cliff Uh kingsbury getting frustrated to the point where he's amped up enough for the quarterback to notice and then engage in him i it's just a long way of saying maybe it's a positive moving forward yeah maybe maybe i i think again it's it's how everybody in that perceives it i didn't see any of the visuals of what cliff kingsbury was doing no that kind of led kyler to, to react the way that he did but it just again, it's it's either Kyler has a lack of respect for the head coach, or, or Kyler's a little off in the way he expresses himself. You know, it's it's really that. And and the reason I think the reason why I was so sympathetic to Kyler on this is that that uh, you know I've I've seen him ask for the play. I've seen him. You know, we all have. Yes, come on, get it come in. On, get it in. Yeah. Give me the play. Spit it out. Come on. Today, Junior. So, uh, so, and, and also, I, I like seeing the passion from him that he cares that deeply because, fair or not, that was always a question that followed Kyler Murray. How much does he love football? Does he love baseball more? Is he just fronting because he wants the football money? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's been out there. Well, one of the great sound bites from last Thursday came from DeAndre Hopkins, who came in and said, Hey, I'm not married. But I imagine what that—that's what a marriage is like, right? And that got a lot of reaction. We got a promo running from from Burns and Gambo on it. Uh, Kyler Murray was asked about that very thing yesterday. No, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it that far. I just, you know, again, he's competitive. I'm competitive. It wasn't, um, it wasn't anything more than just like I said, just trying to win. I mean, it was, you know, time was running down. He, I think he was a little uh, frustrated with whatever, whatever I had. Done. I don't know, but um, no, it's, it's not a big deal. No, that's it. Not That's interesting to me. Again, this is the second time he said that. He said that post game that he was frustrated with me for some reason, but I don't know why. If that's true, isn't that an issue? 
that Kyler doesn't even understand what what his head coach is so angry at him yeah, about. Yeah, let's look at that through the through the lens of marriage again. <laughs> we've all been in the situation. Publicly. We've all been in the situation where you know something. Uh-huh. Hey, my partner is mad at me right now, and I don't know why. Uh, I'm, Ooh, I'm just going to let you go. Calm down. For in a my second. experience, right. uh-huh. it was always because uh, I hooked up with somebody else in a dream she was having. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also have been mad over those things. <laughs> That's excellent. Jordan, you monster! You know how many? Funny. I, 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 we can all relate to that, right? <laughs> how many guys are nodding in agreement right now? <laughs> Why are you mad? You cheated on me in my dream, dream last you night, pig. <laughs> That's funny. My wife. And I always had the same there. response. Was she hot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's not you know. No, My you. wife says even in her dreams she can't imagine any other woman being attracted to me. So I guess I've been lucky so far. You've avoided that whole yeah. pitfall, Jared. Good, Good on you. you. Fingers crossed. <laughs> lucky guy. Kyler Murray also asked, uh, "Hey, did you hear about uh, that interaction during the long weekend?" Not really, but and then and then some cases like people brought it up to me. So it, it was it was a little fifty fifty. It wasn't it wasn't too much, you know. People didn't make a big deal about it, but I definitely got some questions just from, like, you know, friends and stuff like that. And Cliff Kingsbury joked about, uh, you know, did you actually calm down when t- when Kyler told you to? <laughs> I didn't think I was too um, fired up to begin with. But, um, yeah, I mean, at that point, you got to be able to talk about it. We're down there on the goal line. you got to be able to hey, reset and talk through it and, and get the job done. When you tell people to calm down, it's usually out heavy, out so fast. Like, they don't calm down. Like, were you, like, how many calm down? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I did not. I did not. The camera didn't catch me, did it? No? Yeah, so no, I didn't say that. <laughs> Look, you could hear the smile in their voice in, 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 from from yeah. both subjects, so maybe it is water under the bridge at this point, and maybe I, I'm it, sure it, is. it got to the point where it was visual and heated enough to it, it can be used constructively. That's all I'm saying. Right, and, and I, I think Cliff is, is a reasonable kind of guy that I don't think he holds on to that kind of stuff, but I will say that his post-game demeanor, let's just say his posterior looked a little sore. You know what I mean? Because he, he seemed to be a little like, uh, look, I, I the, these Gen Z kids, I, I I like showing some emotion. I mean, he seemed almost like, like, what in the heck did you do that to me for? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure they're over it. The, the, winning the game cured everything. Thank goodness Oof, for that. Could you imagine oh, that oh, mixed oh, with oh, another oh. loss? How about oh, the simple? Oh. How about the simple thing of just not wasting timeouts this week? That yeah, you won't have to that, worry about. That might be a good item on the checklist to start with. But that's never not been an issue. Not So why would that ever change? You're, you're right. It's been constant all throughout this year. No doubt about it. Uh, we shall see if progress can be made. You could text your thoughts on it to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. The Phoenix Suns have worked out a lot of things early in the season on their 3-1 and one start. Not everything is worked out, including the Jay Crowder situation. We'll get into the latest on that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Well, obviously, he has been sent home. They were supposed to, both sides, his his agent and the, the sons, they thought they were going to come to an agreement on a trade before the season started. And things have been prolonged. So right now, he is sitting away from the team right now. And I talked to him a, a little bit to this point. Um, he's, we're going to talk a little bit later. So hopefully I have some updates on his situation. But for right now, what he told me is that he's playing every day. He's in in the best shape possible of his career and he's just ready to get back out there on the court. So right now, it's just really up to the Phoenix Suns to try to find the best deal that they feel that's going to fit to be able to acquire the services of somebody like a two-way player such as Jay Crowder. That was Tuesday night. Chris Haynes from TNT who was working the sidelines. That was the report he put out before the game on Jay Crowder, which came at a weird time. You get it because you know they're about to play on national television against the Warriors, but uh, the items that Jay Crowder in the best shape of his life and he's raring to go. That garnered a reaction from a lot of Suns fans before that game. During the game, uh, and I actually don't have it, but Chris Haynes did an update. As he said there, mm-hmm. he was going to talk to Jay Crowder and he said during the in-game report that Jay Crowder reiterated to him and wanted to make it clear that his stance or not wanting to play with the Phoenix Suns had nothing to do with him not being a starter. Wanted that out there. Right. Uh, would have more on it later on, but didn't want to get into any of, you know, again, there's this, this air of mystery. He mentioned, hey, I had two good years with my teammates and, uh, two good years with the fans of Phoenix, which I thought was interesting in its, in its wording that he didn't mention Monty Williams or the front office no. of the Suns. So I don't know if there's a deep issue here. Um, it certainly seems that way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. And, and, and I wonder what this is all about because I, I think that report and, and those words coming from Jay Crowder, um, it, it kind of, it, it smacks of a basketball player who suddenly realizes, wow, this team doesn't miss me and this team has got no incentive to trade me and this team is moving real slow on these trade fronts and I need to play basketball. And and so and even James Jones uh, yesterday, James Jones, you know, no one's going to push him to do anything faster than he wants to do it. Nope. Uh, He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday and was asked, hey, what's your reaction to that report from Chris Haynes on the Jay Crowder front? No, I have nothing to add to that situation. Um, I said before, when we have a resolution, we have a resolution. Um, Last night was about, you know, uh, competing and and trying to to beat a good opponent at home. And we did that. and, And so we'll continue to try to figure out how we can improve as a team. And uh, that will remain our focus going forward. Yeah. Hey, can I translate that for you? Yes. Uh, that would be, we do not need Jay Crowder jumping in and stealing the headlines from a game in which we beat the defending NBA champions. Which is what Jay Crowder did. To a degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, uh, that I second report think, was in-game. I don't think Chris B. Haynes went, oh, wow, I just ran into Jay Crowder at the Water Fountain. Jay, can you give me an update here? Yeah. Oh, funny you should ask. I'm in the best shape of my life. <laughs> and again, I'm sure he's in great shape. But the fact the fact that this is – I don't know how he's going to substantiate the fact that that he wasn't reacting negatively to not starting. Or that makes no games. sense. Because, okay, look, so if, if it's all about a contract extension that he's not getting, he certainly shouldn't be surprised by that. He can just look around and see DeAndre Ayton. He can see Mikhail Bridge. Not Mikhael Bridges. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, there's nothing unusual. What about you having to play out your last year on your deal here? Well, after the in-game report from Chris Haynes, both Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller asked follow-up questions. And Reggie Miller said, look, you don't want to say it's about contract extension, but it's all about money. And 
I mean, Jay Crowder signed a three-year contract with the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason, uh, even though things have gone well during his time in Phoenix those first two seasons, I don't think there was any reason to believe that he had a uh, you know a, a future beyond three years with yeah. the Suns. So so if this really is about money, which it must be, then reverse engineer this. So Jay Crowder's agent picks up the phone and calls James Jones or somebody close to James Jones, and 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 they get the response that uh, no, we're not interested in giving him that number or that contract extension because by the way, we think his role is going to actually go down a little bit this year, and that his agent would go well. What do you mean by that? Yeah. You're going to actually start Cam Johnson? Johnson? And, and so, oh, okay, then he gets back to Jay. Jay, you're not going to believe this. Not only are they not interested, but they're not interested because they're not playing you as much. Your role is going to be diminished. Oh, heck with that. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's not working out well for him. Well, what you said earlier, too, nobody's going to push James Jones to act before no. he's ready to act no. on anything, oh, and he's oh. not going to make a move just to make a move. It's going to have some benefit when it finally happens to the Phoenix Suns, but... Let's look, and it really came to the fore uh, on Tuesday night. Suns get a big win. Jay Crowder might be watching this team play going, uh-oh, you know what? The guys that are playing at the four aren't even exactly playing very well, and they look good. <laughs> exactly. This is going to look worse exactly. as it goes on because yeah. Cam Johnson will play better That's than he's true. played. That's true. And Torrey Craig has been decent so far, but they don't really, and, and even, and I brought this up yesterday, when things got weird, and things got heated on the court with the Golden State Warriors. That's normally where Jay Crowder's got his nose right in the middle of everything. And he acted in two years as the representative of the, of the Suns in those situations. Yes, he did. And they passed that first test without him just fine. It's true. And if they can do that, they can, they can make And he does a lot of good things for a basketball team. I'm not going to sit here and dump on Jay Crowder now yeah. because he's not part of this team. No. But it's not insurmountable. What they lose with him not being there is is certainly not insurmountable. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's being proven now. Those intangibles, the the physicality, the ability to bang up against bigger fours, uh, I've got real concerns that Cam Johnson's going to uh, survive physically. But like you said, it might not even be an issue. It's it might. I mean, it, Jay Crowder is actually two inches. I mean, more more muscle, more of a a, a physical presence, if you will, but. Cam Johnson's got length on him. Mm-hmm. He's two inches taller. All this just keeps making me think of why they aren't working Dario Saric in. Because the missing Jay Crowder piece sort of is less noticeable yeah. if you have a backup power forward that can give you minutes. I think you're going to see that. And, and maybe I overestimated what Dario was able to do in Eurobasket, playing the minutes that he did for for his home country, because he's been a non-factor so far. He played two minutes in the opener and yeah. hasn't got off the bench, but he, he did come up yesterday too, uh, and and with the uh, Burns and Gamble interview, and James Jones talked about the progression he's making. Dario's progressing fine. I mean, Dario is, is he, he's been out of basketball for a year, and, and he's making his way back. I, I think more than anything is that we still have a lot of depth on this team, and sometimes it's just as simple as matchups and, and opportunities and, and, and the flow and, and, and the opponent. 
it. Um, you know, when it, if it, the opportunity presents itself, uh, extremely confident. Physically, he's ready. Mentally, he's ready. Uh, when his number's called, he'll produce like he always does. And, and until that time comes, he'll continue to focus on improving and we'll continue to focus on how to make sure that he's ready for when, when his number's called. To that point, too, that you brought up about Cam Johnson matching up against the, the, the bigger, more physical force. If there's one position that's going away in the NBA, it's the bigger, more physical force. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how many times do you run in? We could all point to the example last year against the Knicks. Julius Randle was was the picking, prototype. picking on Cam Johnson, yeah. but how oh, many yeah. teams have a Julius Randle? Yeah. True. So, yeah. So we'll 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 see this. And, and listen, I I think that in the subject of Dario Saric and what he did in EuroBasket, I don't think any of us watched entire games. But to me, the reason the only reason I took um, optimism out of it is that he was playing full on basketball. Yeah, and Coming substantial minutes. Yeah, substantial minutes. And some of the highlights, he looked good. He was driving to the basket. He had a sweet new ponytail. Good look. <laughs> so people are like, oh, cool, yeah. Great response when he was brought hey. in in that opening night game against Dallas. You ponytail guys got to stick together. Have to, right? <laughs> right? And I can name a couple people that did watch full Eurobasket games. Kellen Olsen and Kevin Zimmerman. Empire, Empire of the Sun. That is true. <laughs> Bless them. What a what dedicated a- reporter. And what maybe- a blessing to Arizona sports. Right. What adorable people. They are. <laughs> and maybe before the end of the show, we'll get an update on whether or not Zion's going to play tomorrow night. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. All right. Any 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 wagers anybody wants to make? No, I don't know. He's not going yeah. to. That's it's my no prediction. no for me, dog. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day in the Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchan Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour reboot. Rush Hour reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. A very happy Thursday to all of you. Thanks so much for listening to Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, if you're new to us, hi, welcome. We do the Rush Hour Reboot every single day at this time. It's when we get you caught up on everything you need to know in Valley Sports and beyond. I am Sarah Cazell taking you through those stories with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Phil. Hey, Phil. Is that from SNL? No, it's no. from Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. oh that makes sense. That Needle nose Ned, like... Ned the head. Boom. Oh, I Bing. can't think Sorry. of the actor's name, but I'm seeing a particular face. You'll know who I'm talking about, Vince. Great story, Sarah. And Jared Allen. <laughs> I poop my diaper. Oh, no. That was my most convincing baby voice yesterday. I pooped my diaper. Wasn't yeah. it just yesterday? Gosh. That doesn't even sound like me, no, does it? I pooped my diaper. Yeah. That, that does not sound Very like you at all. Very low-key, Murata. Yeah. Well, after you've pooped, that's probably the shame coming out in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. The Phoenix Suns. Let's talk about them. They, uh, no doubt, are going to be carrying some swagger 
from their win over the Golden State Warriors into tomorrow's game against the New Orleans Pelicans here in the Valley. Suns GM James Jones went on Burns and Gambo yesterday for his exclusive weekly conversation in the afternoons, and he shared what the Suns win over the Warriors Tuesday night meant for the Suns team. It, it gives us stress, right? I mean, you, you have to bring it to, to beat that team, and so you, you play with maximum effort, um, and, and they put you on your heels to see how you respond. I thought yesterday, uh, both teams, especially um, early until we got ahead pretty far, both teams threw haymakers and, and the other uh, the opponent responded. And I thought it was good for us and I thought it was good for them uh, because if we want to be the team that, that we think we can be, uh, we'll have to beat, beat really good teams. All right, so now that the Suns have played the Mavericks, the Clippers, and Golden State, all expected to be some of the best teams in the West this year, who do you think is the team to beat in the West so far? Is it the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, or I'll throw them in because they're 4-1, the Portland Trailblazers? Lillard got hurt last night, though. Strained calf, I think. And they suffered their first loss. Um... I'm still going with the team that's on top. And we saw the Suns dismantle them a couple nights ago, but the Golden State Warriors are the team to beat. They've, yeah, they've got the trophy that. that everybody wants. So, And they've got the proven commodities uh, in, and, and four or five core members back. Mm-hmm. They're the team to beat for me. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think uh, watching the Clippers the first couple of... Watching the Clippers against the Suns and then go on the road and suddenly Kawhi's not playing again, they're just the Clippers. So uh, it's the Warriors, yeah. <laughs> okay, then who do you put below the Warriors? The Suns? The Grizzlies? Someone else? I had, Going into the season, I was so concerned about the Suns roster and what I see to be holes and trouble spots. I had them sixth in the Western Conference. I think I'd push them up to maybe third now. Okay. Maybe yeah. behind Memphis. The Clippers are going to get better, but I would put the Suns in a group with Memphis. Mm-hmm. Denver, yeah, probably right, right there. I think Denver is also going to get better. Yeah, as, you know, some of the guys coming back from injury get get more acclimated, but that that's the way I see it right now. Sure. Okay. Now let's uh, zoom out from the West, look across the entire NBA. What has been the biggest surprise to you so far? The fact that the Lakers are zero and four, <laughs> the Sixers are one and four, or the Nets one and three. Any of those surprising to you? Steve Nash lost his mind last mm-hmm. night. It's the first did. time I've ever seen him like that. And he should have. Yeah. <laughs> for him to have a front row view for, for Giannis, to just come through and elbow Patty Mills in the throat and no whistle, and then he got a technical for, for asking for the whistle... The officiating yeah. again. We don't have to go lot down of, this road lot just of technical yet. So far, this lots, year of lots of technicals. Lots of ref showing going on. Well, uh, it, listen. The NBA just put out a memo, and you know about this. And it's basically um, it, players have to kind of commit to representing the league better. Less violence, less weirdness on the court. Protect so the it's, shield. It's all tied together. It's mm-hmm. all tied together. So um, to answer your question, I'm most surprised about Philly. Okay, I am too. Of those, of those, yeah. I mean, we talked. Uh, the Nets are really talented, but Ben Simmons is oh. a shell of his former self. He's shot the ball twenty times in four games as a starter. Um, but they've got chemistry issues. The Lakers, obvious roster issues and chemistry issues. 
Philadelphia being where they are right now is a bit surprising. Mm-hmm. And this is a good year for the 76ers to get off to a slow, underachieving start because everyone there is watching the Eagles and the Phillies. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You can take your time. Take yeah. time. But come January, yeah. you're going to be expecting yeah, you some better things. come correct. By the yeah. way, the Lakers hit eight three-pointers last night. They were 8 for 30, 26.7%, and their season percentage went up after. Oh, no! No! It is the worst four-game three-point shooting exhibition in NBA history. My gosh. And it's not going to get any better. Oh, that's so bad. Okay, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. They are getting ready for Sunday against the Vikings on the road. Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, uh, he spoke to reporters yesterday, and he had many nice things to say about DeAndre Hopkins. When you look at him, he's... Uh, got a r- pretty unique skill set to get open and separate. Uh, but even when you're able to cover him up, uh, either with help over the top or stay connected with him in man-to-man, he's still open because of his catch radius and his ability to make plays on the football. And then uh, I think he compliments Kyler really well because he can win in rhythm. And then uh, those contested kind of opportunity throws can sometimes come on those downs where Kyler gets out of the pocket and is so hard to deal with with his athleticism and accuracy, you know, both in the pocket and, like I said, out of the pocket. So uh, I think those two back together, it's a real challenge for our defense, and uh, we're going to have our hands full for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, who is going to be the biggest offensive threat on the field on Sunday? Will it be Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, or Justin Jefferson? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say it's a tie, and I think it's both of the receivers, one on each side. Hopkins against Jefferson. No edge between the two? A straight tie? Um, I mean, Jefferson and Cousins have had more reps together, so maybe you give them a little bit of a nod there. But DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> he makes the offense go. For better or worse, he is the key to the offense. So, Yeah, I think, I think the Vikings are going to be a little more prepared for that than the Saints happen to be. I think Byron Murphy Jr. will... Do decent on Justin Jefferson. I'm going to vote for Dalvin Cook. Wow. Okay. What do you guys think about Justin Jefferson's gritty dance? I love it. I you do. I, I love it. I don't. Do you hate it? I want it to die do so really? badly. It's, I think it's the worst. It's the one thing that I watch a football player do, and I go, I want to learn that dance. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? So I've never far? tried. No, I've never Actually, tried. Actually, my friend uh, Courtney Cronin, who we used to have on this show as the ESPN Vikings reporter, she did a like a tutorial of the gritty with Justin Jefferson. Uh, I can send you the link. Yeah, there you go. They'll okay. teach you step by step how to do it. Wow, yeah. this is perfect for our the next. This is Arizona sports <laughs> video. Dan Bickley learns the TikTok dance. Dan gritty. I love it. Um, I don't hate it as much as I I I got so sick of uh, when Cam Newton unveiled the dab. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh thank. And you. then at the time I was doing the PA announcing for the Rattlers, and for about five years after that, every time the camera panned on a kid in the crowd at the Rattlers game, they dab. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. then the dab turned into, into the, the floss. The floss. Yes. That was also pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I could see getting that feeling. Like that's a pretty cool move. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, no one looks like doing rhythm. it. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do it in private. It's and I've been guilty of that before. Is like 
I used to be a decent dancer, and then if I try something that I used to do now, it's like it's like the reminder of nope, nope, can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, just you know, old, man. Remember, Vinny, you're a one hip dude. Now. I am one hip dude. <laughs> <laughs> and not in the good way. Not in the good way. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. We're all rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 730. Coming up next, we're talking about the Jay Crowder situation not being worked out for the Suns. There is a bigger overarching issue with the Suns. Yeah, that whole ownership thing. We'll get into the latest and an interesting name surfacing on that front. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Oxygen Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Morata. Pickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The days of somebody being able to put in a little bit amount of money and run the team, those days are over. But that, oh, that, uh-huh. was a, yes. that was a moment. The one guy who might pull it off, and I heard, I'm probably breaking some news here, but I heard Obama's involved in one of the groups. And that's the one guy that I feel like they would make him the actual face and the money guys would be so happy to have him at the front that they would just be like, cool. Yeah, you. you well, you can- well, well, time out. Yeah. If Obama, if Obama called me, hell yeah, I'm buying him. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, if, if Obama calls me, if President Obama calls me and says, hey, would you be a part on our team? Hell yeah. You know, I got so much love and admiration for that All guy. Right, so you, you're throwing your hat in the ring. That was uh, Bill Simmons and Charles Barkley on the Bill Simmons podcast. After Charles had said, I have got no interest in, in being a part owner of the Phoenix Suns, but... On that uh, on that front, if uh, Barack Obama, former President Obama, was interested or part of that group, he would buy in. What was your reaction to that, by the way? I hadn't heard that anywhere else. No, I haven't I seen it anywhere yeah, else since then. Right. It, it's uh, my reaction to that would be that would that would be quite a, a high profile ownership group. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, I I don't know how any Suns fan now. Let's 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 take the political out of this. I don't know how any basketball fan wouldn't sign off on something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's when we started talking about these possibilities of hey, who could come in and you know spearhead a group that that could possibly buy the Suns. Barack Obama's name wasn't on that list because you just focus on. The ultra rich, um, right? Well, he wouldn't be. He couldn't be no, the big it, money it, guy. No, yeah, and they heard right. you heard Bill Simmons say it there. Be a pretty good gig to put in just a little bit of money and be the the the, the forward facing um, figure. Right. That's hard to say. Yeah. It's <laughs> now. I I don't know what the former president what what interest he would have in that kind of role. You know. I mean, he's a he's a basketball junkie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, guess that would be the interest. You no, know he cares. And, and he, about the yeah, game. right. And he, yeah, exactly. And you know, he knows the game. Barack Obama's still another guy at this point of his life that plays more often than Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. That's very, very true. <laughs> Does he play more or less than Melvin Booker, though? The uh, probably less than probably Melvin less Booker. than 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 the, yeah. the elder book, right? And and Barack Obama's a, he's he's just a perimeter shooter. He's got he's got no physicality to his game at all. So he doesn't go down low. Melvin Booker, I think, still gets after it. Oh yeah, yeah. still drives the lane, yeah. bumps, elbows people. Hey, Barack yeah. Obama is a player after my own heart. Stand behind the <laughs> yeah, line. That's what and he's doing. Let, let it fly. Now, this wouldn't fly. be unprecedented, right? Didn't the Bush family own the Rangers? They did at some point. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, yeah and then famously George W. Bush traded Sammy Sosa. Yeah, he did, but yeah. he also owned the franchise and divested of it before he became president, 
or sold it before he became president. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's an interesting name because that would come with a, a cadre of probably very famous, high profile former players, celebrities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That group would be star studded. Well, yes, it would be. It would be. It would d- be. Does that equal competent, real okay. good ownership? We don't know. No. It, it would also. It would also be quite something because it would require somebody with just stacks of money to buy this thing mm-hmm. and then the ability to say, okay, I'm not going to be the face of it. How many P- How many uber billionaires are, would, would check those boxes? Well, we saw this with the Nets when they moved to Brooklyn. You remember, Jay-Z was the face of the ownership group, even though he only had a very small percentage of that it. That is true. And now he's not even part of it. Now anymore. he's not even part of it. There was also an article today on The Athletic uh, focusing on this future sale of the Suns from Robert Sarver to who, whomever buys it. Uh, the article is entitled, Suns sale may set NBA uh, set record NBA value, but will less than half of the team change hands? A couple of things to point out in the article that was written by Daniel Kaplan. He writes, so it stands to reason that an NBA team like the Suns would sell for more than $3 billion, if not more, easily surpassing the record for a basketball franchise. The Brooklyn Nets uh, sold for $2.3 billion. The Suns play in a major media market. The NBA is the most global of the U.S. major leagues. And most importantly, is on the verge of a new round of media uh, deals that could triple their current rights fees. Uh, but there's another reason why the price, or more pointedly, the valuation could set a record. Owners of 60% of the team do not have what is known as tag-along rights, meaning only 40% of the club might get sold, three sports investment bankers said. They said Sarver owns 35% of the team, but his shares are the control ones. Mm-hmm. A 5% stake held by private equity firm Adile has the provision that if the, uh, uh, if the controlling owner sells, its shares must also be bought by the new owner, but the remaining limited partners do not have the tag-along provision. And we wondered about that at the time. Right. With, you know, the majority owner only owing, uh, owning 35% of the team. And we don't have the breakdown of, you know, who's got what stake. Yeah. But this could get real complicated. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't know the history of, of situations like this or, or how unprecedented this happens to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's because because sometimes if if a guy comes in and wants to buy it, an Uber billionaire, they want to buy the whole thing. They don't necessarily want partners, even if they have the controlling shares. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well, it could get complicated. I, I agree with that. And the only statement we'd seen from a minority owner was uh, John DeJaffe, who came out um, after, well, even before Robert Sarver made the decision to sell, mm-hmm. he made it very clear he did not have interest in being the managing general partner. I don't know if he speaks for the whole group. Um, I, I know you've been kind of digging around and investigating that for, for quite some time yeah. about the thoughts and feelings of the, the minority owners of the Suns. Yeah. Um, so I, you probably have more intel on that than I do. Yeah. Definitely have more. Yeah, well, well, listen, and I, I think really what what's what's... What's important here, again, is does this sale, if it gets protracted because of these factors, if it drags on six, seven, eight months, is there a direct impact on the spending of the basketball team? And and 
there's no reason to say yes or no now, but I, I, I think the proof will come in, in the coming months in terms of if the Suns need to be active. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Generally, a team that is up for sale, and especially if it's it's a sale like that that gets complicated, the last thing you want to do is you know fatten up the payroll. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a liability. So I don't know. I just I I hope that it has no effect at all. I I still I still marvel at the fact that this this investigation that was going on forever that the basketball culture stayed pretty shielded from everything. Maybe too shielded from everything uh-huh. in retrospect. But it, it's it, it didn't let them affect the on-court product. No, that is that is true and I don't believe you know, we, we've focused on all these po- possible reasons for the Suns' meltdown in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're wondering about something like that, I think it's fair to consider everything. Mm-hmm. So that got thrown into the mix. I don't, I don't think that was an issue. It did. I, after that Game 7 and the collapse in that series, I had people ask, is this, is this some sort of rebellion against the owner? Is this the basketball team quitting? It, you would, that wouldn't happen. No. That, a basketball team at that level chasing a championship would not, would not do that voluntarily. No. Absolutely not. We are halfway through on this Thursday. Bick's going to kick off the second half of the show with the Bickley Blast. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.